0: I'm gonna take control of my attitude and I'm gonna own it and work on myself to be the best human I can be. And then I'm gonna let go of the things that I can't control, because I know there's a bigger chessboard here Mm -hmm. and I can only do what I can do. (music) Health sovereignty is the name of the game. That's the only thing that's real. If you have all the money in the world, you have all the material possessions, um, even you have great relationships, but you but your health is is at a decline everything else means nothing
1: yeah i mean i've always thought that I don't know, 100% like you know breakfast lunch and dinner is a completely fabricated it's a scam it's, it's a total, total scam yeah Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Monty Hook, coming to you live from Lighthouse Studios here in Bali, Indonesia. After one year off, I'm back on the podcast. I have been busy building and launching Lighthouse Studios here in Bali, where this podcast was filmed live. In this first episode back, I interview life optimization strategist, Mr. Ronnie Landis. We went deep down the rabbit hole on health nutrition masculinity creating freedom and breaking out of the matrix and we shine a light on how the medical establishment is making us all sick a very powerful and important conversation for the current times so stay tuned do not touch those buttons Guys, head on over to www.wearelight.house. If you are an entrepreneur, speaker, author, or content creator of any kind, you are going to want to know about Lighthouse Studios in Bali. With three world-class acoustic-treated studios, you can record podcasts, audiobooks, books, masterclasses, social media video content, videos for your marketing, and so much more. You can even hold live events and workshops here, and we can do high-end virtual conferences and summits with multi-camera live streaming. The best thing is Lighthouse does all the heavy lifting with all the team on the ground. We take care of the cameras, microphones, lights, the editing, and we can even build you a custom set. If you are in Bali, you will wanna come and check out our co-working cafe with amazing food and coffee. And if you're not in Bali, Get on a flight and come and record epic content and hang out. Check out www.wearelight.house and find us on Instagram by searching Lighthouse Studios Bali. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and after one year long hiatus, we are back in the studio for the rabbit hole. And today, I'm joined by Mr. Ronnie Landis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing amazing. Good. Welcome so happy to... to be here. Thank you. Welcome mm-hmm. to Lighthouse. Thank you. So just to give everybody some context, we're here in Studio 3 at Lighthouse, Lighthouse Studios in Bali. And this is the first podcast I've recorded in my own studios. Yeah. Um, before this, we had a beta studio in my villa, and we recorded a lot of episodes in there. And it's really interesting to... Be back in the studio. And now at Lighthouse, we're fully open. We're good to go. What do you think of Lighthouse? Well, I think it's
0: amazing what you've done with this place. It's it's like extraordinary. I've actually never seen anything like
1: it. Awesome. You're a podcaster as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a podcast. I've been doing a podcasting for like seven years. And I've never really done it in a professional studio. I've yeah. been in professional studios on other people's podcasts. Um, but I've never seen a co-working space that's also combined as a studio space. And uh, yeah, this is a really special place. So I'm, cool. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, as much as I'd love to talk about me and the Lighthouse, let's make this about you. You're the guest here. Um, so we were connected by mutual friend, Chris Duffy, mm-hmm. And uh, I just had a bit of a squeeze around your website last night and mm-hmm. uh, your Instagram and I downloaded this and we'll talk about that this is your uh, life optimization map or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but you say an online – well, what, this is what it says. Ronnie Landis is a leading expert in holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. He powerfully supports driven entrepreneurs, athletes, performers, executives, and influencers to perform at their best mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then – Little line that kind of captures my attention is exploring the fringes of cutting-edge health sciences Mm. and food-based nutrition, Mm -hmm. which uh, I think uh, we'll go into a fair bit of depth about. Like that's something I'm uh, constantly curious about. It seems like you know theories and Mm -hmm. uh, theories change every five minutes, and the the science changes all the time. Um, But I think that there's there's a lot of people now learning about you know, the fundamentals of, um, you know, the way nature intended and the way that we mm. actually are mm. rather than pushing medical agendas on us. Yes. So you seem to be somebody who's pretty well tapped into all of that mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you're looking at all these different aspects including, you know, the emotional and the spiritual and all these things and how it all weaves together and I'm assuming mm-hmm. you've got your own story about how you how you came to be talking about this stuff. And Sure. Um, addiction yeah. is one of the things you talk about mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah, just give us a little bit of a snapshot, the backshot and backstory into mm-hmm. who is Ronnie.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, <clears throat> I'll make it short, just because we have so much to cover. And and you know, it's like, what's your story? And you know, we go we go through this and podcast so much. Um, but you know, it, it is interesting because I was raised as a martial artist from the age of four. So that's my original pedigree as an athlete and a martial artist. Um, and I was training as Olympic hopeful from the age of sixteen into twenty-three. I was actually training to make the U.S. national team in in what uh, in taekwondo. Form, taekwondo, yeah, I competed in the U.S. Open, I think in two thousand and six or seven, and then competed internationally and and was making my way there. There was some um let's just say conflicts in my life path that that arose that I made a choice point and changed direction. But um, I was running a martial arts school at the same time. So a uh, very committed martial artist, elite athlete, played basketball all my life. So I was I was double, I was a double sport athlete. And that that's my background. And so I got into the health thing because I had a knee injury when I was 18, just over training. And, um, just wear and tear on my meniscus and and tore a piece of my MCL and then ended up going through the whole surgical route and just going through that whole that whole drama, really, because that was the first time that I had been physically sidelined. And so my dream that really kept me on the straight and narrow mm. was now being challenged. And I, and I couldn't see anything else out outside of that in my life. That was the only thing that made any sense to me. The only thing I was going to do with my life, mm. um, growing up in the compulsory, repetitive, academic, industrialized schooling system, uh, that was not exactly my forte. It wasn't I wasn't not unintelligent. I was just very bored, mm. and I, I think I always knew that this was not relevant. Um, I just I just didn't really seem to care. Um, so, so that path wasn't really, that, that wasn't going to be a viable thing for me. I I knew that martial arts at the time was the most, uh, was the thing that just called me forward. So anyways, I, I had a long, a long series of just recovering from that knee injury, which then introduced me into the alternative healing world. Um, studying, uh, studying, um, re, uh, repairing the, the body therapeutically, um, Through movement practices and things of that nature. And then eventually I actually worked in a a hospital in an emergency room for three years, which was just kind of a weird synchronicity because it wasn't like a career path. I just kind of ended up taking a job to supplement my athletic career um, as an HIV tester in Oakland, California. So major hospital. I'm in the emergency room. I'm doing HIV swab tests, and I'm I'm all of a sudden I'm 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 kind of becoming a double agent. This is where my first mm-hmm. spiritual awakening started to happen. I, I stumbled on YouTube University, and I started stumbling on different people like Paul Check and David Wolfe, and mm-hmm. and different characters in the health world that completely shifted my paradigm. Like, completely turned it upside down. And I happened to be in the medical environment at the same time. So it's
1: interesting, like, how God works. uh, You're obviously shown that so you can see the complete contrasts, right? Exactly. That's
0: exactly right. So what ended up happening is that I basically became like a double agent. So by day, I would be doing these HIV testing, um, you know, these swabs, working in the the medical the medical establishment, and I would be observing what's going on in the meetings with the pharmaceutical reps that are coming in and selling their new pharmaceutical for the new STD, the new HIV, like um, pharmaceutical, and I would I would listen to the sales pitches. And, and it just became very obvious that something was like really strange, just like in the the, the vibration or just the, the way the whole thing was going down. Um, I didn't really know so much. It took me a number of years to really awaken to the truth. Like now I know without mm. any doubt what goes on in that world and how just absolutely um, corrupted that entire world is. Um I I could go on and on but basically what ended up happening is I got into the raw food world I started juicing I started doing like spirulina cacao coconut water goji berry smoothies I had my own office so I'd be going in there, I'd have a backpack full of superfoods, I'd have a blender, like a little little magic bullet blender, and I'd go into my office, I'd have these swab tests, they're like 20 minutes, so every 20 minutes, I'd be waiting on swabs to tell me the results of patients that they have HIV or not, which that's a whole other thing to talk about, Right. I had to actually tell people this too. I had to actually give people the results. That's heavy. That was yeah, that was heavy. But so like I would be whipping up all these superfood smoothies. I'd be on YouTube studying voraciously. Going down the pharmaceutical rabbit hole, going down the vaccine rabbit hole, going down the genetically modified agricultural rabbit hole, going down the nutritional dietary theory rabbit hole. Like I'm doing all this behind the scenes and then I walk out and I, and I go into the emergency room with the doctors and the nurses and watching them eating out of vending machines and I'm having a complete like uh, the veil is dropping very quickly. Right. So that's so that's just, um, you know, that, that's just a little bit of how how
1: I came to be in the, the holistic health world. Yeah. Now, that's interesting that you uh, got to see those complete, complete contrasts. Because it, m-
0: most people don't
1: most people don't actually see it. Well, I mean, what it's to somebody like I've always been a little bit weird. I've always probably since a young age seen things maybe that or understood things that maybe other people don't understand. And it's been a gift and it's been a curse at the same time because most a lot of my life never fitted in, never mm-hmm. fitted in, right? Um, but it absolutely baffles me that people see a hospital cafeteria and what they're selling in the hospital cafeteria, which even anybody who consumes junk food mm. could just look at that and put two and two together and go, "That's junk food." Mm-hmm. I'm here supposedly getting trying to get well right like, h- how does that not occur to more people like mm-hmm. it's it seems like we are so brainwashed mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. It, to me it's just mind-boggling because mind-boggling
0: it, it makes no logical sense and my only my only explanation is that people are so desensitized mm. and they become so numbed out literally through being medicated and the food itself is a sedative yeah so that that's another thing with like this this processed food overly cooked food um you know factory farm food whatever you want to say this Franken food, it's actually a sedative to medicate people's consciousness and to desensitize them from the sensations of their body yeah. so they actually can't feel their body and if somebody is not doesn't have the available the ability to sense or to be yeah. sensitive then they won't be able to make sensible yeah.
1: decisions with their be, life they can't be attuned to what they actually need this That's is right. this is something that I've had my own experience with is um, and uh, you know uh, you've had your own journey you were talking about you know juicing and all this mm-hmm. um, I had an experience about ten years ago where I was getting a lot of parasites and a lot of issues and I was always reasonably healthy um, but I started doing a lot of fasting and a lot of juicing mm-hmm. cleaned a lot of a lot of stuff out of my body. And the more that I did that after a few years, I became—I feel like I became very attuned to what my body needs. So now I know that uh, I I can feel when, okay, I should only drink one coffee today or Mm -hmm. I only need to eat uh, vegan food for the next two days or Mm -hmm. I need to do a water fast for three days. Like my body tells me. And had I have not gone through that process of elimination, like eliminating everything out, and I think this is one of the issues with like with diets, right? Yeah, is yeah. People go from one way of one lifestyle to another lifestyle, which is another form of mm. extreme diet. Hopping around. It's it's the it's the break. It's like the I think it's the elimination part of it, totally, which resets you and gives you that ability to attune. Is that? I F- fully no, good? I
0: fully agree. And there was this running joke for so many years in in kind of like our our. Um, you know nutritional communities where the word diet has the word die in it so that's actually a really important thing for people to to take a hold of like the the grammatical like interpretation of word and the frequency of words like nobody wants to diet people want to live it so that so that's actually a key thing i was thinking about this earlier today weirdly enough um, so when people are hopping around to this diet, that diet, the ABC diet, the acronym diets, like everything is just reconfigured into some different um, alphabetical like dietary rebranded kind of thing. But there's only a certain amount of actual nutritional approaches that anybody can actually do. They just get reconfigured into something else for the next flavor of the month Mm. um really the most important thing is that somebody gets off diet consciousness and whatever they choose to do they actually live it yeah they actually commit fully to the lifestyle and then the the nutritional part is really just an organization of of food supplement options that are going to help fuel your body so you can you know, do what you need to do so that you're you're energized, you have the mental and emotional and physical energy to do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, you have a purpose and you have a mission of some sort, even if your mission is just to, to feel better. It's just to get healthier. It's just to get into the gym. It's to build a business, to have a family, whatever it is. Somebody needs to have an actual um, purpose. And then what's interesting about that is then the dietary aspect no longer becomes kind of like a religion or a main focus. Then it just becomes this supportive cast and people mm. don't don't um yeah, they don't focus so much on the food. The food is just something you do to fuel you for whatever it is that your your yeah, mission is. I also
1: think you've only got so much bandwidth in terms of uh where your focus goes to oh, yeah. you know to create a you know, a, a good life. So when it just becomes your lifestyle and then yeah. you, you're no longer thinking about it. It's like, this is just the way that I live. When you're on a diet and you're, you're inside a, some kind of regime, it's like, it's that's what you're thinking about all mm. of the time. And that takes up a lot of energy. takes up a lot of bandwidth, which is then not giving you access to creating something bigger. It, it, sure, yeah. it might, you know, people might get results, you know, uh, short term in that. Sure. But that's not the goal. Sure, it's yeah, not the that's goal. right. Yeah, so... I want to come back to the nutrition part of it, but I, I want to see if we can just go down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. a little yeah, bit straight yeah. off the bat. Um, you're talking about, you know the you know the broken system, the broken establishment. Uh, how much of that do you think is actually on purpose, or do you uh, do you think it's just it's it's just one problem stacked on top? You know, for a hundred years, problem after problem after problem. And there's no real effort, or no real uh, intention behind that. Or do you actually think there's intention behind the sickness? It's 100% deliberate. <laughs> I knew the answer. I just—it's
0: 100% ask. deliberate, and I can say that with absolute certainty because of how much I've sussed out the control structures. Um, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole of like the 13 bloodline families and the Kassarian mafia and the Luciferian cults and, and all the things that exist below, the, great first episode, below like. the radar of these institutions that oppose freedom, mm. like these government alphabet agencies, the medical institutions, these agricultural companies, the, you know, yeah.
1: all, all the things. You know what's, you know, you know what's, what's crazy? I, I agree. I think the reason why it's so hard for people to grasp is because – It's so big and it's been it's the reason it's so big is because it's been happening for a long time. Since post-World War II, there's all these things, you know, these organizations, you know, the acronyms, the you know, the United Nations and the World Mm -hmm. Economic Forum and Mm -hmm, all these mm -hmm. things, you know, like people can come to their own conclusions, but these things have been established and then they've been believed for a long time, and it's just now so embedded for so many decades. and then when people like you and I start talking about it, people go, "No, that can't. It, it, it's too big to comprehend. That's it's right. just yeah. too big.
0: It is. It is too big to comprehend, and it becomes a full time job just to try to unwind it. And I don't even really recommend most people even attempt to. I I, I had mm. to go through some deep unwinding psychologically with psychedelic assisted psychotherapy to even be able to unwind." the layers of cognitive dissonance, the the programming, um, and and then to even be able to go into... It actually took me a number of ayahuasca ceremonies to touch the heart of darkness, to really go into how deep this really was. And then, interestingly enough, through that medicine, it actually helped heal, heal me from that, mm. and I didn't actually have the desire to go back down the rabbit hole. But I was in that rabbit hole for... You know, I mean, definitely since 2020, a year and a half straight on and off, it basically became my, like, full-time gig. I thought I was going to become, like, a freedom fighter. I was like, are you going to become mm-hmm. John Connor now? Like, no, you're not a nutritionist anymore. You're not, you're not a, a trauma expert Hey, my man, I guess you kind of are, because you're going down the deepest rabbit hole of, like, collective trauma that exists, um, but... I kind of put everything to the side to go down this this like what felt like a holy mission. And I'll tell you, too, what came out of that for me when I realized that evil is absolutely real. I'm staring it in the face. It's staring right back at me. Um, Lucifer is absolutely a real being of some sort, some sort of interdimensional being. Absolutely real. That also means that Jesus must be real, too. God actually has to be real now. That And it was interesting. There seemed to be this revival of like Jesus mm. and, and God where before I think it just got to a point of what we call like scientism where like science and materialism and, and atheism has become like this this materialistic replacement for God because most people get spirituality or or quote-unquote God um, mixed up with religion. Yeah, and,
1: and I think it doesn't matter which way you, well, what your beliefs are around spiritu- spirituality yeah. or God or, you know, however, you, you know, you perceive it. Yeah. But I've said this many, many times. I think all of the problems that are happening in the world right now, you can put down to godlessness. Like, well, however, that, however you view that, godlessness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we <laughs> straight down the rabbit hole. So look, we, I mean, we could probably have a couple of episodes on, on all this stuff, but um, let's not go too far. I'm, I'm refraining
0: quite a bit just to give space yeah. for anything else we want to talk about. But
1: you did mention the, the ayahuasca journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a big part of my mm. um, experience as well. I've done stuff over in Peru and massive, um, massive awakenings. And uh, I, I think it's 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 not that the those journeys instantly like give you something mm. it's something that you, you you become more aware you become more um awakened to yourself mm-hmm. and then I think mm-hmm. it just gives you a greater access to to navigate like you were saying before that you kind of went on this mission of um you know you went deep down that that rabbit hole mm-hmm and now you've kind of gone back onto your path, which is just talking about nutrition, etc. And uh, I think this is a tricky one because there is this converse- conversation around freedom, mm, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do go to that extreme. Yeah. And I think that in itself also is is unhelpful. Yeah. Because people they they just like the ex- the, the the extremes of of one end, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think that mm-hmm. that is the access to awakening more people. I think it's yeah. just through living your life in a conscious way and living in a um and you know awakening yourself to to mm-hmm. intuition and uh becoming spiritual in whatever regard that is to you and i think the more people just do that yeah. the more we can move the needle so agreed where, where do you think this is a big question but where mm. do you think humanity is at with that i kind of wonder if we have reached a tipping point Mm-hmm. in the fucking weirdness mm-hmm. and now there's more people waking up and we're starting to move back in that direction i 100 believe that there is no answer for humanity other than to go in that direction like we have agreed to, uh, we have to it, it, even to me it would be better that we all went and lived in the jungles right and just started from scratch than, you know going completely in the the, the other other extremes where we just mm-hmm. blow ourselves up right do you think that well, two parts of the question. One is, do you think that we are at some kind of tipping point, or mm-hmm. do you think we've still got a long way to go? Mm-hmm. And do you think it's possible for us to combine, you know, technology and science and uh-huh. this uh-huh. way, this way of living and uh, relating to each other, where we can thrive as a species?
0: Okay, this this is like that was a perfectly framed question, and I think I have a really good kind of framework to respond to that. First of all, we are at the critical tipping point of all tipping points in the entire eonic um, history of this planet. I'll just say it that way. like Everything that's ever happened in this this world, this realm, is reliant on what we do now as a collective. Yeah. And so we are at a critical tipping point. I think one of the things that's important to, to recognize is that It's not on our shoulders as, as, you know, fallible human beings, Um, whether you take the more of a Christian perspective or whatever particular religious perspective or a spiritual perspective. I think what's really coming through is this thing around um, faith in a higher power that has certain principles and values and virtues that we as human beings aspire to embody and, and build into our character set, but it's not actually on us to do. Like, I do believe in angels at mm. this point. I believe in angels. I believe in gar- guardians and guides and and interdimensional beings, and I believe in all that. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I've studied and gone down all kinds of rabbit holes. I know in my own life there have been magic and miracles in in strange synchronicities that have shown up that have also reflected to me how important my attitude is in any given moment, especially being here in Bali. When you're in like an amplified vortex, you realize that your energetic, your attitude, your thought process, and where your emotional state is has a particular effect on the environment and how the environment responds back to you. So that's the first thing is that In each of our individual lives, we have to take control of our attitude. I think it was Viktor Frankl in in the book Man's Search for Meaning, right? One of the most classic books of all time. And his most famous phrase in that book was that the last of the great human freedoms is in the ability to control one's attitude in any situation. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we're going to talk about even like God and faith and all that, to me that is the greatest act of faith is I'm going to take control of my attitude and I'm going to own it and work on myself to be the best human I can be and then I'm going to let go of the things that I can't control because I know there's a bigger chessboard here mm. and I can only do what I can do. So that that's that's one thing. Now the other the other the other thing that's coming through to your other question um I don't know if you're familiar with a mystic called Rudolf Steiner um, I have heard. Okay.
1: I've heard snippets, but yeah. Okay. Me. Yeah.
0: So Rudolf Steiner was one of the greatest mystics, um, definitely of the last uh, 100 or 200 years. And he he was a visionary and a prophet, really. And so he foretold of a lot of things that are playing out now. One of the one of the frameworks that he had that's that people are actually talking about a lot now about the times that we're in are these two different forces of what we would call evil, which do exist inside of us, Mm -hmm. which is the Aramonic force and the Luciferian force. So I'll just kind of break this down simply. So the Aramonic force is the force of materialism. So what we would call scientism where everything is densified it's material it's matter it's essentially stripping god or stripping spirit from matter so it's all just like cybernetic yeah it's like so we're in the we're in the cybernetic age versus the cardiozoic age which is the age of the heart so there's the there's the toggle or the struggle between the head and the heart yeah
1: and so aramon which is almost like the the uh, the over understanding
0: yeah over analyzing, yeah. rationalizing logic versus just being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is when you're being, allowing. you're just you're able to feel and and sense, and that's the whole thing with meditation. Meditation is essentially just a feeling exercise, right? And doing breath work and that kind of thing. Um, so aramon the aramonic force is a force towards um hyper gravitation. So so like the gravitational pull in our our atmosphere um is 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 trying to calcify and densify all of life Mm. so that there's no actual life force left and it's 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 an interesting little rabbit hole that i'll 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 leave on that you know how deep that particular thing goes but you could see you could see how that's playing out the whole the whole like materialistic atheistic medical model is all based on the aramonic philosophy Bill Gates and blocking out the sun and the whole vaccine agenda and all that. Right. That's basically an Aramonic philosophy. And then you so then you have the Luciferic force, right, which is which is equally interesting because then we look at like the spiritual culture and particularly the new age culture and the the hyper fantasizing. So where one is very like grounded to the point where it's too grounded yep. the other is very ethereal where it's completely ungrounded right so it's it's all like it's all like fantasy based in pro- mental projections and in, in this kind of thing and um and so what 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 Rudolf Steiner talked about is that these two forces are are two forces of the same coin, which is what we would call, quote unquote, evil or darkness. They're the adversary, the adversarial force. And then they also have to do with the manifestation of what we call the Antichrist, which is which is like that's something I, I actually spent a considerable amount of time trying to identify. And I actually in one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, I asked the medicine what the deal with this was. I won't go into that now, but just if anybody's interested in that, it's something worth your investigation just as a a spiritual pursuit, Um, which is basically just the manifestation of all that opposes life, right? So that's what we're dealing with in this world. We're dealing with beings that oppose life and, and sentience, and we as ennobled humans are trying to self-actualize that God spark, that like angelic quality in human form and and kind of this protective guardianship of life. And so these two forces, they exist inside of us. So the whole thing is is not about repressing or avoiding them. It's actually about how do we integrate Mm. the Luciferic and the Aramonic forces to our benefit, and and to your point before about not going to the extremes, mm. because if you go too far down the aramonic side, then your physical body can manifest aramonic diseases, so like calcification, spinal stenosis, um, muscle atrophy, like arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, this kind of thing, very brittle, calcified, mm. like you know, we're we're basically you know, you're 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 being gravitationally suppressed. And, and, you know, you, you just, you can't, you can't function anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the flip side of that is like the, the body being in flow, like the body being free, the yeah. body being able to move. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the Luciferian thing is like, it's too much flow without any structure. Yeah. So it's, it's hyper fantasizing. Um, I'm, I'm seeing so many like new age type of concepts and it's very conceptual. It's all conceptual based, but it's not necessarily practical or result driven. Mm. That's the extreme of it. Now you have to have both, right? You want to have your foot on the ground, grounded, but with your, your, like your head in the stars, so to speak. Like, so you're dreaming of the heavens, but your feet are on the ground. That's, that's the, that's where we want to be with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how do um, how does the you and I are privileged in that we're exposed to a lot of these conversations and we've
0: I mean privileged in a sense like depends on how you think about it because it's a it's a challenging endeavor it's a challenging internal endeavor to like
1: I feel privileged because I'd rather I'd rather be around this one hundred percent but how does how does uh, people who are not exposed as much as we are Mm start to integrate this in into their existence mm, yeah. um, there might be people out there who feel or get a, a sense you know they get a sense that eh, this is not right this is but the issue is the way society is structured is that people are so uh, trapped stuck in the matrix mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that needing to live, Day to day, week to week, month to month, look after their families, go to their job, yeah. um, pay off their car, pay off their house, all of that—it overrides mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So, how mm-hmm. does <clears throat> I feel privileged that I don't live like that? You mm-hmm. probably feel the same. Mm-hmm. How does somebody get themselves out of that? Because it's 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 all well and good to say, you know, uh, awaken to these uh, theories and philosophies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though they, they might have a sense, they might have a knowing, they might have a feeling, but they also have responsibilities to their family. And of course, and ha- of course. Ha- how to how do people maneuver?
0: I, I think it's a it's a step-by-step process. And yeah. Each person's journey is unique to them. So I can't tell anybody how they're going to do it. What I will say is the the first thing that you do is you change what you put in your mouth. Yeah, that's what happened for me. That's what I've seen happen for countless people. Nothing fundamentally changes until you change your health. Mm-hmm. Health sovereignty is the name of the game. That's the yeah. only thing that's real. If you have all the money in the world, you have all the material possessions, um, even you have great relationships, but you but your health is is at a decline everything else means nothing
1: yeah and also like you said before until your body is in that somewhat more optimal state it 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 can't be your body is a is an instrument to tune into That's right. to to tune into you know the bigger picture so if it's not in that state where it has the capacity to do that it will not
0: that's right and and i mean you can we can go really deep down into yeah. like just the practical wise of how this is important it's just so obvious but it's not so obvious when you're in the minutia and the muck of yeah but also things
1: also because there's so much noise there's so much noise. i've interviewed on the podcast one week i interviewed somebody who is a uh, vegan whole foods and i'm mm-hmm. learning from them there's Snippets of wisdom I can take from them. The very next week, I interview somebody. Actually, it was the week before somebody who's on full hardcore carnivore mm-hmm. diet. Yeah, and there's things that they're saying is like, wow, that's mm. really awesome too. There's yeah. snippets of wisdom. I get the feeling that both of them are right. Everybody's right, mm-hmm. but it's for me. It's taking uh, the 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 one thing I, I will always remind myself of, of is is this what nature intended. Like this is yes. called barley rain. Yes. It comes out of the sky and okay, well, <laughs> pretty sure that's yep. natural, right? That's as natural. Now, the water that we buy in the 7-Eleven from Nestle, I don't think is natural, right? Yeah, that's right? right. So that to me seems to be the fundamental thing. But when it comes to uh, what kind of should we be – what, what volume of meat mm-hmm. and okay. vegetables yeah, talk about and that. grains and is there an optimal way or is it completely different for everybody? Yeah. Is it different for different people based on where they're at in their journey? Mm-hmm. One of the big things mm-hmm. for me is I, um, I stopped eating red meat about five years ago when I was going through that phase. It was the elimination of the red meat mm-hmm. which cleaned me out mm-hmm. and gave me a reset and then I think around – three years ago, I came back to red meat Mm because my body was telling me to. Yeah. And ever since I came back on that, now I feel like I'm consuming red meat in a way that is good for me. And I know how Mm -hmm. much to consume because my body tells me. So a lot of people would go off red meat and go, Oh, well, you know, uh, being vegetarian is the best thing that ever happened to me. And then that just becomes Mm -hmm. their mindset. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that simple. No,
0: it's not. And and I'm, yeah, I'd love to to dive into that and also yeah. provide a simple framework for people to understand that. Um, everything is seasonal and cyclical. What I what I really recommend for people that are just getting into the nutrition thing is that they start exploring cleansing and detoxification practices. I, I don't think most people actually need to go towards paleo or towards carnivore first. What they need to do is clean yeah. out... The body, because we've accumulated so much foreign debris and waste products in the form of heavy metals, pesticides, xenoestrogens, which are which are artificial estrogen-mimicking chemicals that throw our hormones out of balance, especially as men. Um, and and you know just all the all the food that we've consumed and overeaten it it all has it all has developed impactions in our system. So we need to clean out and reset the body altogether first. That's that's where vegetarian diets, particularly raw food based diets, are balanced green vegetable juicing, um, you know certain types of uh, plant based smoothies, and then um, getting towards more fresh produce. Fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds that are sprouted and germinated, preferably um, seaweeds, um, fermented foods, and then superfoods. So getting so getting into that is great because it alkalizes the body, it hydrates the body, it informs the body on a new set of like information from your environment, and then from there. Once you start to reset, then you can start to get into a place where you can rebuild the body. So so we call this anabolism and catabolism, Mm. right? The anabolic phase is basically a phase of metabolism that's like breaking down, cleansing, clearing old material out. If we don't clear out the old material and we just add on new building blocks, then we're going to get constipated. And I've seen this a lot in like the keto and paleo communities. Where you see a lot of people that are very, they're very kind of dense in their, their energetic. They're like almost, they're more harmonic. They're too grounded. And it's like, 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 telluric, uh, what we call like, telluric force, like a cow. Mm. It's like they're, they're eating so much cow where they're just like, like, their body just looks kind of like, like the CrossFit, the CrossFit, you know, <laughs> people. No
1: offense, but <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people offended, but that's okay. I see what you mean.
0: Yeah. Well, I just I'm speaking to a particular like um, energetic that yeah. I see in the diet world now. But on the other side, you go into the vegan world and you see a lot of people that are more like um triathlons and, and long more runners and that kind of thing. And a lot of people that are, are excessively skinny or thin, they can't really build very much muscle. And then they they appear like they're wasting weight. Those are the extremes. Mm-hmm. Right. Then we want to find the balance point in the middle. Ultimately, the balance point is an integration of both worlds. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to find that going more plant based and enlightening the load is good for a season, especially if you're in the summer, the summer months. Yeah. And then maybe in the winter months, you might find that storing up bone broths, red meat, um, animal foods is going to be more nourishing for you.
1: Yeah. And if you want to kind of bring this back to nature, I, I, I don't think that humans in terms of our bodies have changed much in 2,000 years Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's only been in the last 100 years that our food has dramatically changed and if you think of what people used to eat, well, it would have been seasonal. They would have been eating certain kinds of foods in one season and then different foods in another season and they were living according to nature and I think, you know, this might be getting a bit airy-fairy and fluffy but (laughs) – I think we were designed that way, like we yeah, were des- yeah, absolutely. Like we were designed to be part of part of nature, and <clears throat> you know, to try to yeah. to try to hack that and yeah. say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat that because this is this thing in the other season is better for me. Right. It's like,
0: can I make well, a point about that? Yeah. So th- this, I'm glad you brought this up. So just to synthesize the principle of all this. First of all, we live in a time where never before have we been able to choose a dietary path. Mm. We've never been able to actually choose a diet or a nutrition program.
1: Until 100 years ago, people were just trying to fucking live and survive. It was all
0: survival based. 100%. So, So we get very, it's very strange for me when people are like talking about paleolithic diets and caveman diets, it's like. And, and it's the little symbol on the the gluten-free cookie or something. It's like, whoa, really? We're so detached from nature that that this is where we are. It's all marketing. Yeah. So we need to extricate ourselves from that whole matrix. And ultimately, I've been saying this for years. The only dietary approaches that are going to work long term are the ones that lead you back to nature. mm so then you can look at like for me, I was a I was a raw vegan for three and a half years, one hundred percent, and then I was a vegetarian for ten years. Where that led me was all over the world. I lived in Hawaii for years. I was on I lived on a permaculture farm, hundreds of rarefied exotic fruits and superfoods, and getting my hand in the soil, mm. and, like getting like deep with cacao, and in like helping to grow cacao trees and learning how to make like raw chocolate from the seed and go through the entire alchemical process of turning it into a raw chocolate bar. Instead of just going to the store and getting a chocolate bar and saying, oh, that's cool. I actually was able to get intimate with the plants. That's that's a
1: very different um, thing. And, And I think if people did that, they would choose foods way more wisely.
0: That's right. Yeah. When I go to the grocery store, it's like, I I mean, I barely ever do anymore because there's nothing. There's nothing for me. I don't know. I'm just looking around. I'm like, there's nothing to eat
1: here. So, what's your what's your day (laughs) typical day look like in terms of food? Sure. Um. So nowadays, so
0: so in early 2020, I did receive the calling as you did to reintroduce um red meat back into my diet. That's a whole story in of itself. Um. It was a very shamanic experience. Um, I had like a whole awakening around that too. And it it was really powerful. So, so now I, I usually have maybe a steak a day or, or maybe every other day kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a part of my staple. I actually don't eat that much compared to what I used to. I usually have like one, you know, protein, superfood smoothie after my weight workout. I drink a lot of water. Like hydration is absolutely critical. I probably drink two to three, um, young coconuts every single day being here in Bali. Um, and then what else? Like, um, and then I'm pretty, I'm pretty lax. Mm. I'm pretty lax. Like I, everything I eat is organic. It's as fresh as possible. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't skimp on that. But I don't really think about it as much. I'm in much more of a fluid flow. But I usually yeah. have at least one, um, one steak, if not two steaks a day, depending on my workout routine. Yeah.
1: So, what is your what's your exercise, workout, movement yeah. routine? So
0: right now I'm in a I'm in a 90 day container that I created for myself. So my my goal is to get a little bit bigger, is to get stronger. Um, so every single, well, actually not every day, but from Monday to Friday, six 30 till eight in the morning, I'm doing a really intense weight training, um, circuit. So I basically create my own circuit of different exercises and then I combine them on top of each other and do five rounds of those. Yeah.
1: You're doing this at the gym. I'm doing it at the gym. Yeah. 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 And you're doing that fasted?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. So I always yeah. fast in the morning. I don't eat breakfast. Yeah. The closest thing to breakfast that I that I do is I have a smoothie after my workout. Yeah. Um, if I don't do that, the only reason I'm doing that is because all of my supplements, I've run through all of my supplements that I brought over here from the States and trying to get supplements here is a nightmare. So like I had a whole boatload of all my like fermented amino acids and everything. If I had all that, I wouldn't be bothering with the smoothie. Yeah. But because I don't have all my favorite supplements, I, I'm, I'm, you know, yep, throwing gotcha. the smoothie in there.
1: Cool. So you're doing that five days a week. That seems pretty intense. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a lot of people um, would th- think the amount of calories that you're, you know, burning during that and what you're describing that you eat, they don't match up. Now that's according to, if you Google, if I Google my weight Mm -hmm. and how many calories I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to consume based on the exercise I do, it'll say 2,834 calories or whatever it is. Sure. Now, my experience is that I've been through times where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not eating, not that I'm counting, I'm pretty sure I'm not eating more than 2,000 calories a day and I'm not losing weight, I'm not gaining Mm -hmm. weight, I'm not Mm -hmm. anything. So um, I think this is, I'm not an expert, I'm just going based on but you have a my sense, assumption. You have a sense about it. I, I have a sense that my body maybe is more efficient than other people's. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know where those calculators come from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a sense that maybe my body is working differently to the average person of whom yep. they generate those computations from. Does that sound when, fair?
0: Yeah, and I mean when you get deep into like those quote-unquote computation – um, mechanics and, and the whole theory behind it, it. it's it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Just like calories in, calories out. that that's not a correct assessment of how the yeah. human body works when you get into the understanding of like mitochondrial, cellular energy. Um, um, and then also, really when you learn about cleansing and detoxing, Then it takes on a whole nother shape and form. Most people don't know anything about cleansing. This is not something we've ever been taught. So when you cleanse out the impurities of the body and you get cellular integrity, the ATP, otherwise known as the energy system of your your cells, starts to perform much better. Mm. And um, you're able to generate energy without even eating yeah. so this is an interesting thing does food actually give us energy and the answer is no food doesn't give us energy in fact the more foods you eat the less energy you have because digestion yeah. requires the most amount of energy than anything it's like
1: 50 percent of all your energy you consumes from digestion right
0: right yeah so when you look at like okay macros protein is not an energy source so you don't want to be eating too much protein unless it's for recovery purposes so the steak i eat is not to get energy it's a recovery building building um, building back the muscular tissue the amino acids etc brain tissue stabilizing my blood sugar just rebuilding the structure of the body yeah fat and or, or yeah, ketones and then glucose are the only two sources of energy from food, right? So that's important to know. If people want to get more energy, then you're going to be looking at either sugar or, or fat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that know, 100%, like, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is a completely fabricated... It's a scam. It's, it's a total, total scam. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that humans used to live <laughs> hundreds of years ago is... There. <laughs> you would go out and hunt or, you know, find food. You'd find a bunch of food and you would eat that. And then you would eat nothing right. for three days.
0: Right. Are right. you familiar with Weston Price? No. Okay. Weston A. Price was a famous dentist um, who was the book um, uh, Physical Health and Degeneration, something like that in the 1930s. He, he, like his whole work is like foundational to the quote unquote paleolithic movement. And basically, what he discovered was, so he was a dentist, and he went around the world studying the the de- the dental um, health of of tribes, of different you know tribal peoples and indigenous cultures, because he noticed in the West with the advent of like sugar and white flour and white salt and all this kind of thing that people's, de- they had more cavities and just poor dental health. And he was also opposed to root canals. He was the very first dentist who spoke out against root canals. And so he noticed that in these indigenous tribes, they didn't have any issues of, of dental cavitations or any, they didn't use brushes, they didn't floss, they didn't do anything like that. And so what he, what he basically found out is that they're eating a natural diet, right? Obviously, and all the different diets are varied. You know it all they all had some sort of of meat or fish and in, in different like wild vegetation of some sort. Um they were all drinking some sort of spring water, glacial waters. Um but that but his work is really groundbreaking for that 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 kind mm. of idea that you're bringing forth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's um I think yeah, we've got such a long way to go before we can un- <laughs> un- unravel um and unravel even, even it's part da- of it's, part it's of daunting this. to think. I about. know it, it is very it is very daunting, and I think this is why also a lot of people um, are complacent because yeah. it's too it's too big of a it's almost too big of a thing. You know, well, what can I do? I I can't I can't do anything. So
0: well, you know, their their brain isn't working. That's another thing too, and that's a whole podcast in itself. People's brains are not working functionally optimally mm. because they don't have the right nutrition their brain isn't receiving the memo so like their nervous system most people are in a state of of sympathetic overload so they're they're hyper stressed they're in fight flight freeze they're they're in constant trauma responses so people's brain is literally being subdued and the only real way to to free yourself from the quote-unquote matrix is start making lifestyle choices right here and now from where you're at mm. you have to change what you eat you have to change the quality of the water that you drink you have to you have to face your addictions mm. people had that's 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 a whole thing in of itself that's why I'm yeah. so passionate about the addiction conversation because if you really want to get to it we have to deal with with the elephant in our own room, which is whatever addictions that we have that we're using as coping mechanisms to numb, sedate, and tranquilize our emotional distress and our stress and and that is that is causing us to be complacent with whatever dynamics are in our life that are out of alignment with our soul and that are causing us to live a life mm. of quiet desperation.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately the 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 system, the matrix is set up that's so that right. we can just be addicted. That's right. So is this something? I know you talk about a lot about addiction, and it's it's in your stuff something you're passionate about, as you just said. Um, is this something? Is are you passionate about that? Is that something you've been through yourself, or is it just something that sure. you've observed? Absolutely. So much in people.
0: Yeah, I, I have been through it. I, I've been through it in 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 various cycles. I'm um, I'm just coming out of a space where I feel like I've I've finally conquered some of those deeper those some of those deeper addictive um, cycles or tendencies um, I, I've been through it I've been through the pornographic programming the pornography mm. addiction the masturbation addiction the sex addiction the the love addiction the caffeine addiction the tobacco nicotine addiction the cannabis addiction the MDMA addiction the altered state addiction the um, you know the workaholism the workout addiction like I, i've you know like i've the blame shame and and point fingers at the world addiction yeah you know i've been through all of it and i actually released a book in the summer of 2021 called the addiction free lifestyle so it's a 400 page book on on addiction mm-hmm. and trauma and um i yeah i just i'm so passionate about it because i had to figure out that riddle for myself it's not like I had any major addictions like um as, you know, like alcohol or or substance abuse. Yeah. But they were they were underneath the surface. And
1: yeah, I, I could probably relate to that myself, yeah.
0: I think this is what most people deal with is they have certain things that are just accumulating. Coffee, for example. Yeah. You know, like Oh, like working like hustling, hustling. That's this. right. Yeah. And, and the stress that is caused from it, the the anxiousness that's mm. caused from it. And, and somehow, you know, if you really sit with yourself, you know that something's out of alignment. Something is not something is, is robbing you of your peace. And that, that's how you know that that there's something that's crying for your attention. But then we use the external coping mechanisms to kind of just keep us going. So we don't have to deal with that. Mm.
1: Yeah. So I mean obviously the the there's so much relationship between the food, the addictions, getting stuck in that loop. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think the the food, what you consume is such an important and it's probably the the easiest step, right? Because right. That, that gives you uh That awareness crosses all sorts of different boundaries, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That crosses over into all aspects of your life because, I think, you know what I think. I think a lot of people have never ever felt good. Totally, have never felt good, and they they don't even know what they don't even know what that 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 feels feels like.
0: like. Right, exactly.
1: And and that blows my mind. And the reason I say that is because I've had experiences where like one of my things is you know I've struggled with a lot of pain in my neck and back through. Um, from childhood, and mm-hmm. of course, I know that you know the root cause of that is emotional trauma, and you know unraveling those things and why my pain has a is a why my body is addicted to pain, and you know there's all sorts of things to try to mm-hmm. uh, un, 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 unravel there, right? Um, right, but I think the people f- focus on the wrong places. Like you, what's interesting is if you do scans or X-rays of me and my dad. Mm we probably have the both similar conditions but my lifestyle is completely mm. different to his lifestyle and he's been on painkillers for the last 30 years and it's just not something that i i would touch and that's just been a choice and then that is you know i'm not trying to make myself sound better than any, anybody but i am sure that my day-to-day experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is different to his I, i'm i, I Course, well, you know, I'm you can assuming, just see but- it
0: on people, right? Yeah. You can just see people that have had a hard life. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their energy field, their body posture. You can see when when somebody's weighed down by the gravity of life. And you can also see somebody when they're, they're the levity of like their spirit. In Chinese medicine, they call that Shen expression. Like their Shen is wide open and. And they have a smile on their face or there's like just spirit in their eyes. Mm. And that doesn't happen by accident. And that's what people need to understand is that, you know, if you want freedom, you're going to earn it. If you want success, you're going to earn it. If you want health and vitality and in loving relationships, you need to earn it. Nothing of value comes without earning it. And that's a really interesting thing. I think that's happening, like particularly in the men's movement, I think, uh, you know, like Andrew Tate, for example, is someone who's really bringing some really powerful, like arrow, like messages to the masculine, uh, energy right now. And one of the things that he said that really many things he said that really like hit me, um, you know, Someone was asking him on a on a podcast, he said, you know, what's the quickest way to get six pack abs? And immediately he responded. He's like, why does it have to be quick? Why can't it be a struggle? Why do you want everything fast mm. and easy? He's like, if everybody, if it was easy, everybody would have it. And therefore it would not be valuable. Yeah. He said the whole point about having a six pack of abs is that it's rare.
1: Yeah. And, and this is one of the things you say uh, in in my looking online view you you're saying you can have it all but why do very few people have it all seemingly it's, right because it's not easy
0: no and so that's another thing like you have to fall in love with the yeah. work so that's that's like if you really want to just like understand the 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 psychology of of any of this, of like you know, like evolving as a human being or exiting from the matrix, you you have to want it. Yeah, you have to want it to the point where there is no other option.
1: But the way people approach it is, I want to fix this. I want to fix. I want to fix this health condition. I want to fix my body. I want to mm. fix my financial situation. I want to fix this. It's like, well, mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. that's that's a life of moving from one fix to another fix Mm, to another fix mm, right mm -hmm. so talk more about this you can you can have it all and and why do people not
0: Mm. yeah it's like you can have it all but maybe not all at the same time yeah it's a progressive thing it's like you're building the blocks of your life like a like like a puzzle. So your life is a puzzle. And so you have to focus on where you're at and what's what's most interesting to you in that moment and what is most necessary. So you have to create a foundation. And again, that that for most people is going to start with their health, their nutrition um, and, you know, in, in really devoting themselves to being a healthy human being, because when you focus on health, it changes your consciousness. The quickest way to change your consciousness is not just by meditating and and going to yoga. Yes, do that also. But when you clear out the gunk inside of here and you start getting on 32 ounces of green vegetable juice every day, your thoughts will change from acidic negative thoughts to alkaline positive thoughts now once you start doing that with like moving your body and doing things with your body all of a sudden you become a powerful human you feel more confident you you feel more energetic now you start to feel like oh well then maybe I should do something with my life maybe there's more that I can do Mm -hmm. so it's just it's just piggybacking one thing at a time Um, I think people have to have more of a long view of their life. Yeah. And and the reason why people are not able to think long-term is because their dopamine system has been completely hijacked. And dopamine is the molecule that controls motivation. So you, when dopamine is secreted in the brain... It's usually in the anticipation of a future event, and so this is why it can be very addictive in the wrong in the wrong case. Because somebody, if their dopamine, this um, is tied in with your reward and pleasure system. So if somebody's brain has been wired to associate pleasure as a reward, they're gonna immediately gravitate towards things that provide immediate pleasure but the brain is going to assume that that's actually the reward Mm. so then it's like why am i going to work for anything why Mm. am i going to do anything difficult if i can just have the reward it's up and ticked up that's right yeah it's it's so so the brain actually becomes trained for short-term gratification and trying to think long-term actually becomes it's exhausting so that's a whole other that's a whole other element to mm. this puzzle is is learning about dopamine um and and identifying the the immediate gratification um, impulses or just, again, your, the addictions that we, we gravitate towards working through those and developing the ability to think long-term because when, when you think long-term all of a sudden it's like going from immediate impulses of, okay, let me reach out for the coffee. Let me reach out for the cigarette. Let me reach out for the, the pornography. Let me rub one out. You know, these things that are detrimental to our, our long-term success that don't seem, Mm. excuse me, that don't seem, detrimental in the moment yeah but you know when you look in the mirror one day and you smoked a cigarette it's like oh nothing changed after a week or maybe well maybe like after a year all of a sudden you're like oh wow and after 10 years you know somebody's like
1: entire skin quality but you didn't notice the decline you didn't so, notice
0: the gradual decline in the
1: same way that you have to take that same theory flip it on his head for a slow decline for positive results
0: yeah, it, the momentum you have to build the momentum back up and and it it's going to take longer in the beginning but it's sustainable yeah and it's actually more powerful than a negative force but it you you're recircuiting the brain essentially you're retraining the brain through neuroplasticity through changing your patterns and behaviors um and and you are going to feel pain because that's also the pleasure sensation it's chasing pleasure to avoid pain so then that's part of the self medication is that ooh i don't want to feel pain i don't want to feel discomfort so i'm going to do something pleasurable to medicate the discomfort that i feel yeah we have to we have to override that as as functional adults we yeah. have to override that adolescent, you know, tendency to always to be pleasure seeking all the yeah. time.
1: Um, what is your? Do you have a some kind of spiritual practice that you have for yourself, Are there rituals that you have mm. um, on a daily, weekly, monthly? Are you yeah I, doing full moon ceremonies, or what are you doing? <laughs>
0: I've done all the things I've 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 been part of the the spiritual communities um, throughout the certainly throughout the US and different parts of the world on and off um, for for you know almost 12 years and so I've I've been exposed to everything my spiritual practice right now is just embodying the qualities of the man that I want to be yeah it's I've done yoga and meditation and martial arts and and medicine ceremonies and these are all tools that i put in my toolbox but none of it in the dietary things um none of it has i don't imbue power upon it as if it's like a religion or a god i i, I can meditate i have meditation whenever i want so mm. i'm just like before we did this i just closed my eyes for a moment and just yeah it's something that I have access to. It's a tool, but my own self actualization as a human being is my spiritual practice, being in integrity with myself, my mm. thoughts, my words, my actions in trying to get those to become one thing and yeah. be a good human being and be good at being a human being. That's my spiritual practice.
1: That's an interesting, uh interesting way of looking at it a powerful way of looking at it because uh, i think it's the case and it's not wrong that you have you know spiritual practices or rituals or prayer yeah, um, that, prayer yeah that can center us and but you're right we put a lot of power in those and that then becomes the well that's the reason why i'm like this mm-hmm. when if you can embody that into just how you operate, part of your life. Uh, to me, like that's how I try to. Uh, I try to remind myself. Th- to me, all of that is mindfulness. It's mm. like mm. Uh, mindfulness and awareness, and then having small little practices. Like every hour, I'll just bring myself back to center, just do a couple of breaths, and it's like so that I'm just constantly reminding myself just to be mindful of where I'm at, what's my surroundings, how my yeah. how how am I being. Um, you know, you were talking before about um, the attitude, right? And I think to me like what was occurring to me as you were saying that was like mm. humility, you know, humility, humility. to mm-hmm. me is like it's, it's such a foundational thing because it gives you access to be curious. It gives you access to be um, empathetic, mm. you know. I think mm-hmm. I, I try to just rem- remind myself to always yeah. bring myself back to that
0: Humility. That's it. <clears throat> that's the number one thing. You learn that a lot in relationships, yeah, especially. And um, yeah, and you're able to you're able to see through the lenses of the heart versus the lenses of the mind and the ego. Um, and that's that's they say that's the longest journey is is this, you know, where the six inches between the or whatever it is, the head, the heart. That's the longest journey you'll ever yeah. take. and And that's real. And, um, yeah, so, so empathy, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot I get into, but, but being able to see through the lens of the heart is, is always the way we want to go because there's a, there's a, there's a more broad and more accurate perspective of any particular situation, especially if you're dealing with another human being and getting out of our own story, getting out of our own, just getting out of our own way right and just being able to see things as they are um yeah
1: yeah um talk, you've mentioned a couple of times about you know uh masculinity and we're talking about Andrew Tate before mm-hmm. um thank so, god
0: thank god for that guy by the way yeah uh jeez.
1: <laughs> um and, and the thing is I don't think you have to agree with everything he says in the way that he no. way that he says it. But my question is uh, regarding that because the thing that he's uh he's connecting with, he's connecting, you know, his his audiences, mm-hmm. you know, young males. I'm assuming 17 to mm-hmm. 25, mm-hmm. and he's connecting with I think an innate part of these young men yeah. that feel something different. Like it doesn't matter whether you think he's right or you think he's wrong. He's connecting with the next generation in some way that resonates i think in a very um natural way he's awakening something that is already there yeah that maybe they haven't seen for themselves because of you know the way that they were raised their family their school and this liberal
0: leftist feminine you know falsely feminized culture yeah yeah but
1: talking about the reason i'm bringing this up is because we're talking about you know connecting with the heart and Many people would kind of look at Andrew Tate and the way that he speaks is, mm. you know, he's he's you know aggressive mm-hmm. about his approach, mm-hmm. which I kind of like as well. But um, many people would think, well, well, he's not in his heart, you know. Like, so mm-hmm. how, how do mm. how do you combine this conversation of mm. uh, a strong masculine presence mm. but being in your heart? Like, what does that look like to you, and how do we how do we connect to that? Yeah, so I, I think. Uh, over the last 50 or 60 years you know with feminist movement and all these different mm-hmm. things I'm not saying those things are wrong I think it's actually part of our journeys to part of the journey to to learn some <coughs> to unlearn some things yeah right yeah so how do we uh, connect back to that because I, I think mm. the way that Masculinity and femininity is in the world right now is very confused. It's very, very confusing, confused. and men don't know how to act. Boys don't know how to act. Women don't know mm-hmm. how to act. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's just lost, and then everybody blames each other. And yeah. that's the world that we yeah. live in. When yeah. I, I think if there was a way we could connect back to our whatever is our, our our strong masculinity, but in a way that it is in touch with the heart. Yeah, totally. Right? So I'm, I'm asking this question as a man, I can't speak Mm, for a woman, mm -hmm. but the the question is relevant for women as well. Sure. Especially as women are dealing with men. Exactly. So how do we, how do we connect back to that?
0: Well, I think Andrew actually is very connected to his heart. I've, I've listened to a lot of his conversations. It's very different. The, the snapshots that you see versus the long form conversations. It's a very different energy. There's a lot more articulation when he talks about his father, his mother, he talks about the women in his life, his brother, like he talks about his passion for men's mental health. You feel his heart, um, so I just want to make that point. And, but it's a warrior's heart. And I yeah. understand that very well. I think that's why I resonate so much with it. It's it's like the heartbeat of a warrior that sees where the world is going and has mm. to stand up. And so that resonates really deeply with me as well. Um, and, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has a different temperament. Everyone has a different, like, tonality. Everyone has a different energy. So some some men are going to speak in a different cadence than others. And and it doesn't mean one's more masculine than the other. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. The superficiality of that particular type of conversation. A lot of the men's movement is still kind of strangely in this beta state that's talking about like being an alpha male, but still like so obsessed about women to the point where, everything is about women or getting women Mm. or picking up women or avoiding women altogether. It's very, it's, it's, it's still very beta behavior. None of it is about evolving as a, as a man connected with, with God. And I think that's really what a true, like Jesus Christ was the ultimate alpha male. If you really want to get down to it because he was single minded, you know, you know, anointed by his father, God, and he was on his mission. So I think I think when we talk about masculinity, we talk about men's development, and we talk about um, I think mission and purpose is central to all men, and that's a whole long conversation in and of itself. Um, the whole agenda is to demasculinate men by stripping them of purpose, stripping them of the energy. To pursue a purpose, to have critical thinking, to connect them so they can be followers, not leaders. Yeah, be yeah. followers to disconnect them from their heart, so they're in their head, and <clears throat> and you know being wishy washy and indecisive and all these things. Yeah, um, I think ultimately the true the true journey of the of the man, the masculine, is to be committed to a higher power, to be accountable to a higher power, which in my lexicon is father God. That's how I relate to it. Right. It doesn't really matter what you call it. It is what it is. The only the only thing that matters is that you call it. Yeah. Right. You call it forth into your life. And a lot of men, I've been guilty of this, put our purpose into a woman because we truly love the woman with all of our heart but fail to recognize that the woman is also just a human too and that that that's not where we should we should put place maybe our 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 trust and confidence and our love into a woman that's not where we place our purpose and our Mm -hmm. our mission it has to be a higher a higher source of accountability to so that me as a man i am accountable my behavior my thoughts my actions my words are are accountable to a higher purpose and then a woman can come forth and support me and, and and serve her her purpose by supporting me and my mission, and we can do that together. Yeah. That would be the ideal situation.
1: Yeah, that's nice. I've um, been going for an hour and twenty minutes already. Um, we've talked about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, and look, we could keep going. We could. I, I think Easily. there'll definitely be a, a round two at some point, mm-hmm. but. um, Let me just – well, let's just share a little bit about you and how people can find you and what you do. So you work as a a coach. You've got Mm -hmm. um, – yeah, tell us about your programs and what you do.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean I have different online courses. Um, I have a holistic nutrition course. I have an herbalism course. I have a dopamine reset course. These are courses that I've developed over – the course of years. Yeah. Um, so these are <clears throat> video based courses that people can check out on my website, hhphealth.com.
1: We'll give people the links. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. And then, and people can look all those up and, um, they're plug and play. Yeah. Is this for anybody or it's for anybody, yeah. anyone that's interested in those, those topics. And then, um, I, I work with private clients. So I work with, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, like like peak performers, people that are already developed a certain level of success or foundation, in their life Mm. and are at a particular level where they can work with someone like me who essentially I'm a peak performance coach that has such an interesting, like pedigree for holistic, um, holistic, um, variables like, like, you know, a mastery of holistic health and nutrition and then also able to go into addiction and trauma and dopamine, um, resetting. And then like, relationship dynamics and and spirituality and emotional intelligence and psychological development like this is these are all the things that i've sought to master for myself and it just so happens these have become kind of like the things that i work with people on when i work in coaching programs yeah so um so i work with people one-on-one and in different groups when i have those available and um yeah and aside that i have a uh you know, I have different things like a YouTube channel and podcast. and yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll make sure everybody's got the link. So <clears throat> head over to Instagram and YouTube and yeah. make sure you follow Ronnie. Um, one last final question, and that is, if you had the one-time superpower of mental telepathy mm. uh, and you could communicate one brief, powerful message with all of humanity, What would that message be? Wow. (laughs) Hmm.
0: You're not who you think you are. You're so much more than you think you are. And you're capable of so much more than you think you are. You're not just a human being flesh and blood. You're actually an angel in human form that has infinite capacity for good in your own life, in the life of others and in the collective. And we all have a deeply meaningful mission. And, and the, the meaning of life is to solve that riddle, to figure out what that riddle is for you and Mm. then put all your energy, your life force and your resources into that. And, um, and that's called a fulfilling life.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful share, man. Thank you. Uh, I just want to just what was occurring to me for with, with that is, uh, I think everybody has their own unique path. Mm. There is a unique a uniqueness that everybody has, and I think we're just so led to believe that. We should follow the path of somebody else or we should follow this path because that person says so. And I think so many people feel some kind of calling to do something mm. which is unique. I mean, the way that the work that you do is it's it's unique in the sense of, you know, all the different facets of what you do, mm. but <clears throat> there's no other Ronnie Landis. Sure. So other people are gonna c- people are going to connect with you that the way that they're not going to connect with somebody else. And that's true for everybody. True, There is a space yeah. and there is a path for everybody. So whatever it is that you feel called to pursue, yeah, give yourself permission to pursue mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what right. I'm hearing.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Become, become, discover who you are. Like yeah. really lean into that and give ins- yourself
1: permission to do that. Totally. Yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that's all I'm doing every single day.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Ronnie, thank you so much. Guys, go check out Ronnie. Um, follow him. Um, we'll make sure people got the links. And uh, if you got any follow up questions, you want to get in touch with him, please do so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been awesome, man. It's been a blast. I think yeah. there's, I don't know how long you're in Bali for, but I think there should be around two yeah, at some I'm definitely point. Definitely here
0: for a couple of months. Would cool. love to.
1: We could, we could go so much deeper into so yeah. many things. But this, cool.
0: this was awesome. Thank yeah.
1: you. Cheers. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole.